should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24 7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday today. On the podcast, we're talking with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to the website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his content. We've been talking to him every week during the USC football season. It is now sitting at 6-0, and bowl-eligible USC Trojans starting the Lincoln-Riley era. 6-0 and for the first time since 2006. We're going to talk about that with the coach and uh, defeating Washington State 30-14. to If you have any questions or comments for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. That is our number. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We love to hear from you uh, on any matters around USC Trojan football. Also, if you go to the Apple Podcasting app, you can follow us there. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate that. It helps to grow the show. And, you know, you're at the water cooler at work. Tell your friends about the Peristyle Podcast. We keep growing and growing. We appreciate it. And it's because of all of you out there uh, helping us grow and keeping the show going. Well, let's not waste any more time let's talk to the coach harvey hyde coach how you doing sir brian i'm doing great another wonderful uh sunday morning uh, as we do this show today what a great college football weekend is it has been it's just absolutely fantastic here in southern california wherever you're listening out there on friday night we had the number one and number two teams in the country in high school football play we have uh, two teams in southern california that are undefeated uh, who knows who's the best quarterback? Who knows who's the best running back? Who knows who's the best receiver? Who knows whatever? It's just absolutely fantastic to have 100,000 fans out at the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl combined to see teams uh, win two big conference games. So, And again, we just want to tell everybody, too, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. And again, also, what I comment on is just my opinion. You can agree or don't agree, but it's uh, it's fun to do this show. And I look at it as a coach when I evaluate the talent and the schemes and what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, a little what's going on around Southern California. Um, both USC and UCLA are uh, undefeated, which is crazy. We uh, The Bruins moving all the way up to number 11. In the latest AP poll, USC dropped. Tennessee moved up uh, with their big win. And uh, on the road against LSU, USC's number seven in the AP poll and uh, still number six in the coaches poll. But two undefeated teams in the Pac-12. Uh, they're both the LA teams. The both teams are going to leave uh, the conference after next year. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I don't know how uh, all of you feel out there. I know you're not really UCLA fans, but how much better could it get if USC and UCLA played in the Rose Bowl, the final game of the year, both being undefeated and having a full packed house of 90,000 in the Rose Bowl for that game? I mean, that's what it's all about, especially after last year's Super Bowl championship uh, victory by the Rams. Oh, yeah, that would be huge. Um, they're a long way to go. UCLA's got to buy. they got to play uh, uh, up in Oregon. When they come back, USC's obviously going on the road for a huge one against Utah. But right now, both teams 6-0 and uh, and looking pretty good. So uh, the Bruins look scary good in that, that offense against Utah. So that's going to be a – that should be a good one. But – we want to focus on the USC Trojans, and they took care of business against the four and one Washington State Cougars. And uh, just you know, I thought we can go you know kind of wherever you want first. Maybe let's start with the defense again because uh, it you know it was a another good performance, shutting uh, the the Cougs out in the second half. Only forty nine yards passing uh, in the second half. You know, just you, you look at there were some big plays given up. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you got a running back averaging 10 yards a carry and going over 100 yards. You're like, that could be a problem, but you only give up 14 points. And that's the, you know, that's a big deal. That one of those drives came right after Kalen Bullock uh, was was kicked out of the game for targeting. And they really seemed to bounce back after that and uh, shut things down. And like I said, no points in the second half. Give me your overall thoughts, coach, on how this USC defense performed. Well, you had two of your top defensive players not playing. Lee was out with a some type of hand problem, broken or whatever. And then Bullock gets, gets kicked out of the game. So you're really playing, not that you don't have some great other defensive players, especially number 49. I can't pronounce his name. I don't want him to get mad at me. But uh, he does uh, such a great job. And, and, I, and, you know, I've been somewhat critical of the defensive side of the football, wanting to see what they do. And they haven't been consistent. And I've been worried about them. As you know, if you're a regular listener, and I want to give them credit when credit's due. They really played hard. They did what it took to do. You can't play for Lincoln Riley unless you play hard. And he's getting kids to really play hard for them and believe in them, and and they really played a great game. And shutting out Washington State in the second half is unbelievable. I I would have never bet on that, okay? And they did that, and they did it big time. Not They didn't stop them by just turnovers. They stopped them by playing consistently, playing hard, bending but not breaking. And I'm really proud of the way they played. And they played on their side of the line of scrimmage. You always hear me talk about if you're a defensive lineman, you want to play on their side of the football, not on your side of the football. You want to start things before they start. You want to stop things before they stop start damn it and that's exactly <laughs> what they did they really did uh, you made i don't know three or four sacks you had a lot of stops behind the line of scrimmage uh of course they made some runs right up the middle they hit you when you were going one way the back was going the other way they were quick hitting type of plays which you're going to have but people ran them down stopped them and i think that's what it's all about so you know, I thought the defense really had a great day, and I want to give them credit. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was really impressive. I mean, you mentioned um, Tuli Tuli Pelotu. He had uh, four solo tackles, one assist. Those four tackles all went for loss. Four tackles for loss. Uh, three sacks. 
Um, pretty impressive from what Thule was able to do. Nick Figueroa had a couple sacks himself. The team had five sacks and uh, nine tackles for loss in this game. And you mentioned, you know, no no turnovers, but they were able to force those negative plays. I thought what Washington State was going, they had a lot of success on first down. They'd pick up, you know, they'd throw a little quick pass, you know, a quick wide receiver screen and pick up seven, eight yards. And now, you know, the chains are in your favor and they seem to get rolling. When USC would get back there and uh, force some pressure, get a sack, whatever it was, and it was not easy to sack Cameron Ward. I mean, he was getting away from a lot of a lot of pressure. Then you were getting, you know, Washington State's behind the sticks, uh, and they just weren't in rhythm the same way. So it was kind of like that first down. You make a big play on first down, and it seemed to stall the drive. But I was impressed too, Coach, because this wasn't like they forced four turnovers. This was getting stops, and uh, you know that they gave up some yards, they gave up some big plays, and all that, but. This is a pretty explosive offense, and for the most part, I mean, what, 316 total yards? Uh, that's impressive for me overall. It is. You know, they have a few things. They'll use this as a training film as far as saying, now, if we'd have done this, this play wouldn't have worked, and we lost contain a couple of times, and we allowed him to run out of the pocket and ran up the middle a couple of times and this and that, and then later on they went to a spy type of defense on certain downs, a spy ward and so on, and a couple of times they did a good job. And a couple of times uh, they didn't do a good job. So, you know, these are the things they'll teach off of the film. And remember, if you continue to get better uh, week after week, it's great. So against a passing type of team, which they're used to seeing when they practice against each other, they go from one type of team to another type of team this week when they play at Utah. So, you know, you have to learn to adjust, and adjustment's what it's all about. And really, when you have two teams like this back-to-back, it's hard on you. One at home, a couple of your players, key players injured, banged up a little bit, and then you go on the road to Salt Lake City and take on another physical football team that'll really have a chip on its shoulder. It's not about to lose two games, at least they don't want to, to Southern California teams, and they've lost two games in a row in the Rose Bowl, so they're not too happy. No, for sure. And that's going to definitely be a tough test, but we're going to, we'll continue breaking this one down, coach, since it's been less than 24 hours and we'll look ahead to to Utah a bit, but uh, another, you know, kind of not super sharp uh, passing night for Caleb Williams, 15 of 29, 188 yards. He had a couple touchdowns. He was sacked once, no turnovers. Um, so, I mean, that's good, but it just didn't seem when we asked Lincoln Riley afterwards, he just seemed like the passing game wasn't clicking either. It was a bad throw. It was a drop. Uh, his receivers def- definitely didn't help him. Mario Williams had a couple big drops and that seemed to hurt the drive. Sometimes they seemed like they got away from the run and they were just throwing the ball on first down. And uh, and there was four three and outs, I believe, in this game for USC, which that's not a, a good sign. And we saw Jordan Addison being banged up a little bit. He was targeted six times, got three catches, 37 yards. But it was Mario Williams who had the couple big touchdown catches, uh, four catches for for 82 yards. Um, but really, the offense went through Travis Dye. You know, the, Caleb Williams was under pressure a lot, but they could rely on the running game. I thought they could have done it more. He had 28 carries, uh, 149 yards, and a touchdown. A uh, couple, I think he had two 20-yard runs. And Washington State hadn't given up a 20-yard run. It's a good defensive front, you know, so they were going to get some pressure on USC. But this was the Travis Dye show, so I want to get your overall thoughts on the offense. 
Well, I'll agree with you on the Travis Dye show. And I, I don't know if you follow me. I'm sure you do. But after every quarter, I tweet out what USC should be doing as far as what I like they're doing or what I th- they should be doing more. And, of course, that's just my opinion. And if you were following me during the game at Coach Harvey Hyde, I was saying, go to your run game. Go to your run game. Get get to them more. They're not. They're used to practicing against the passing game. That's all they do. So they're better at that than stopping the run. So I said, run the ball. Run the ball. Take time off the clock. Set up the bootlegs where when he carries the ball and runs, you make it an option, a back in the flat, a, t- a tight end dragging where he can come out and he doesn't have to run every time. It's one, two, three. And he can do one or the other. They can't come up right away or whatever. Now, this is me as far as me looking at the counter sweep, the play action passes, and things to help Caleb. Because when he's in the pocket, he's starting to panic a little bit too early as far as the pass rush. He doesn't step up into the pocket, and he's being forced out of the pocket around the outside rush guy. And it's difficult to make big plays when you're on the run. Now, he finds a way to have it happen. And he did one last night. But yeah, I think they're putting too much pressure on the kid. And Caleb is, is such a winner that he thinks he has to do it all himself. And you've got to let him know you do have other people surrounding you, such as Travis Dye and these other backs and people that can make you better. But you got to take advantage of them. And it also helps the offensive line as far as in their pass protection, because the defense can't get just accustomed to rushing the passer. So I'd like to see them get more established and believe in the run and uh, take the pressure off of Caleb. Like if you notice in the third quarter, Lincoln Riley had to go and sit next to Caleb, take his headsets off and just calm him down and say, okay, now we're going to do this, relax, because the kid's such a winner that if he doesn't do something right, he feels he's failed the team. So you got to build up his confidence and let him have some assistance along the way. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on him, and I felt like USC could have run the ball more, uh, even though you know Die had all those carries, and you know, but the they could have run the ball more to kind of take some of that pressure away. The offensive line was getting banged up a little bit. We saw you know Mason Murphy have to come in again. We did see Justin Dieter start, but it seemed like. He might not have been 100%, uh, but it was one of those things where it seemed like if you ran the ball on first down, you were having success. Similar to Washington State when they were like, you know, picking up seven, eight yards on first down, it, like, it meant there was going to be a good drive. Negative play, it wasn't. USC would have like these long passes, like lower, you know, low percentage passes on first down, and that seemed to doom the drive as opposed to even running Travis Dye for like three yards, it got you in the right direction. It got you going somewhere. You're exactly right, and you're pounding the, the pounding the rock, and you, you're letting people know you do more than just you know throw the football. I love the, what he put in there as far as the uh, quick screens off a of play action pass. I thought that really helped him as far as on pressure. He got away from that a little bit. He ran that run little counter that I think they should be running, but I thought he ran it at the wrong place down there. In your short yardage situation, you should be running north and south rather than laterally because you get penetration, and that's who came across the line and stopped the play. But I think you've got to believe in the run. You've got to just, just, just record it, and the team's got to believe in the run. 
and it keeps you on schedule. And the defense is then off balance, knowing already they have to stop Caleb Williams and the great receivers. They know that. They'll practice on that more during the week than they will against the run. So if you force them to practice on both equally, now you got a better shot. Yeah, if you want, if you want to make them, you know, practice uh, both, you know, defending both sides of the ball. Well, I think uh, Travis Dye definitely has Utah's attention uh, after this one, and uh, but we'll see, you know, where this offense goes. I think that has to go through the run game. It's Travis Dye's the the feature back now. There's no rotation. There's nothing. It's just it's Travis Dye, and you, we saw a little Rayleigh Brown, and that's about it. I want to give props to the special teams, though, Coach, because on Tuesday after practice, that was. The first question of anyone to Lincoln Riley, I got the first question in. I'm like, what do you think of special teams? And uh, he sort of, you could tell he was a little frustrated, you know, not at the question, but knowing that people have noticed that the special teams weren't good and they, you don't have a special teams coordinator. And so no one really is owning it. And how does that do it? Well, it seemed like from what Lincoln Riley said after the game, he mentioned special teams. And, you know, when I talked to him about it on Tuesday, it was a lot about, we did this good. We did this good. We did this good. You know, tried to you know give some positives, and then as the end came, um, you know, with the the kickoff coverage not being good, the kickoff return and starting in terrible field position not being good, every aspect of special teams that I saw on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening in the Coliseum, coach, was better and positive. And uh, they, you know, Washington State starting field position was like the twenty three yard line, not the thirty. USC was returning the ball out past the 25-yard line if they didn't fair catch it. Um, there were, you know, they weren't the penalties. Everything looked better. You know, hitting field goals, uh, good punting. Everything seemed to be good. So I, I don't know if it was, I, I think, you know, we had noticed it in the media. Lincoln Riley had noticed it too. You could tell he was frustrated when I asked him about it. But I think this was something he said that they put focus on and uh, we saw the results. I'm sure he did. I'm sure in the staff meeting on Sunday, he addressed the things he wasn't happy with, and one of them was the special teams, and I'm sure they work extra on that, and I feel they spent a lot more time as far as on the tape showing the guys about their lanes and returning and being smart and doing the things that's necessary, and I'm sure if someone wasn't doing their job, they made changes in the personnel on those special teams. But special teams are important, and Ryan, I have to agree with you. You brought that up last week when we talked about it, and you emphasize that as something that you really didn't think that uh, was playing up to championship level. Yeah, and it, I mean, just the in a game that was close for most of it, that field, all that field position mattered, right? This wasn't, uh, well, you know, you won by thirty, and who cares if you started at the twenty instead of the the twenty five? But in a game that was close the whole time, and USC was losing in the second quarter, um, yeah, this was, I mean, field position mattered. Oh, it always matters. It always matters in a football game. Field position is is huge, and special teams are huge. You can win, and you know it changes the whole momentum of a game. Whether you make a field goal or miss a field goal, or if you score a touchdown, and then on the open when you kick back the kickoff, they run the ball back or get great field position, or sometimes run it back all the way for a touchdown. It changes everything. You spend ten minutes on a drive, and they run a touchdown, a, a ball back for. And 30 seconds for a touchdown. So all of these things make a difference. You fumble a punt, uh, whatever, and all of a sudden you're losing a football game when you're in control of a football game. Yeah, no, it can it can be a big deal. And I think when, if you're just scoring touchdowns every drive, it doesn't matter as much. 
Um, but this mattered. You know, this was close. This offense was struggling for a while. The defense is trying to keep you in it, and you don't want to have the defense start defending, um, you know, at the 40 as opposed to the 20. And uh, I think that helped the defense a lot. So you, 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 didn't, you didn't do yourself any disservice. You didn't hurt yourself by having bad special teams. Uh, real quick before we get to questions, what did you think of the officiating in this one? The officiating? Yeah. What did you think? Well, I think uh, if I was grading and uh, head coaches every Sunday morning uh, grade the officials, I don't know if they still do that, but I'm sure they do. And uh, I would grade this crew probably a C or C minus because of the consistency that should be in a game. And I didn't think there was consistency there. I think they were questioning themselves at times. Uh, I wasn't agreeable. I mean, obviously, uh, Caleb Bullock uh, uh, got a uh, targeting call, but uh, how do you avoid that? I mean, he didn't intentionally do that. The receiver he hit was probably 5'8", and he's 6'2". I mean, how do you get down where you don't have your helmet above him? So it's, you know, you have to evaluate this with consistency and understanding of the different sizes of players. And it wasn't done like a spear or intentionally, or even that crackback block that he, uh, the Washington State tackle got, I think it was on Bird. I mean, how was he supposed to block the guy? Just let him go. You can't chop block him. You can't block back on him. So what do you do? I mean, I think a lot of this is interpretation and the holding penalties, the timing of the holding penalties. On every single play, there's a penalty. Believe me, it's just whether you want to call it or not. Pass interference, the same type of thing. What is a pass interference penalty? Well, make it the same every single time, whatever your decision is. I thought they had, a, I thought they had trouble in the officiating of the game, right? Yeah, no, I thought I thought so too, and uh, it's it's not one of those things where you know, you're worried that there were, USC was going to get, um, you know, not preferential treatment, but just be you know maybe uh, maybe give preferential treatment to the rest of the Pac-12 teams that are staying. I don't think it's that at all. Uh, Washington State fans were complaining, USC fans were complaining. I just think it's general incompetence. You know, I don't think it's, I just don't think they're good. The, the referees took over the game. I mean, there was a one play where it was a third down and you know they they changed it down to second down and or they weren't adding the penalty yards when they needed to there's just a lot, the referees were involved way too much and it's just one of those things where you don't want it to be a referee show this is a college football game and too often we see pac-12 just become referee shows and we don't want to see that well, um, it becomes a sh- it becomes a show i used to tell uh, the guy on my sideline hey joe hey joe just get paid for watching the game. Don't officiate it too much where everybody knows it puts the camera on you, okay? <laughs> let the kids hey, let the kids decide the game, please. Yeah. And I think that's all everyone um want, you know. If you want to say let you know the kids decide the the game, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And too often we just see the Pac twelve officials just kind of taking over, and that's not what we want. All right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do some questions. When
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast with the Coach Harvey Hyde. We got a text message from DC Trojan. What a question for you, Coach. He said, both Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison struggled again this week versus Washington State's defense. Is there a new blue? There's now is there now a blueprint to defend USC's offense? Well, I'll tell you, I think there's a lot of pressure on these two working together and sometimes throwing the ball to him because they have to. Uh, I think uh, Addison's a great player, okay? But he's not going to be open every single down. I think you have to really throw. They've got great receivers everywhere. And just like UCLA uses Bobo a lot. I mean, you know, because he's their guy, and they just they don't rotate their receivers. They have their four receivers, and that's who they play unless someone gets hurt. Well, USC has so many great receivers that they rotate them all the time, and you don't get the number of catches that you're supposed to get. And you have a morale problem. You really do. Not that they definitely have a morale problem there. They don't. But they want to catch. Jordan Jordan went back in the game. I was even surprised he went back in the game after injuring his knee. And that's because he wanted to play. He wanted to catch the balls. He's got a reputation. He won the highest award last year he could. So I think that puts a little pressure on Caleb as far as trying to get him to football. I believe that. I think it's a, a nat- natural thing. But again, you've got to throw the football to the open guy. And if he's not open or they're double covering if they can or whatever, you got to take the open guy. So, yeah, I think sometimes they force it a little bit. But again, when you look back, he's made some great plays. Great plays, great catches, and, and wins a football game. So... You know, uh, I'm not going to second-guess that, but I think sometimes just psychologically, in your mind, you do that. Because these kids talk on the sideline, too. Uh, hey, you got to get me the ball more. I'm open. I'm open. So Caleb's going to look at him more. He is, because it just happens that way. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, Addison got banged up a little bit. He had to go to the medical tent. So it wasn't going to be, you know, the, the Jordan Addison show. And, you know, you'd mentioned Caleb Williams looking a little like rushed and stuff at times. So we'll kind of see um, where they are. If, if, if Addison can play against Utah, we, we don't really get a ton of um, injury information. We were told that like Shane Lee was going to play <laughs> by Lincoln Riley this week. He did not. So we're not really sure. You know, we're not allowed to report on injury stuff. Um, and Lincoln Riley's not necessarily always been honest when he's talking about um, injury stuff. So we might not know if, if Addison's going to play until uh, kickoff. So we'll see. Um, this one is from Jay in the Bay. 
He's writing about the defensive line. He said, I love the pod. Been listening for over 10 years. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate that. He says, Tuli Tuli Pelotu and Corey Foreman look great together on the line. Foreman is drawing double coverage. What's uh, We seem to have issues uh, in the middle of the line. Would you agree? And if so, I think we're not athletic enough. Can we scheme for lack of personnel and stop the leaking? Thanks, Jay in the Bay. And he says, also, Travis Dye is a winner. Hard to argue with that. Travis Dye is definitely a winner. Yep, I agree. Uh, as far as uh, having them both on the field at the same time, I, I think that's that's great. Uh, uh, I, I, I like Corey Foreman as a young player, but I still think he needs a ways to go. i tell you who I thought played pretty good last night was Figueroa. I mean, he got oh, yeah. in there and caused a lot of havoc. I really do. And I don't know why he doesn't play more. I'd try to get him in the game more. I just... I would just think he penetrates, he plays on that side, he puts pressure on the quarterback. I like him. I'd like to see him play more if I could, but I know he doesn't drop in passes, and Corey Foreman, they have him dropping back in some calls as far as in defense and so on. But, uh, you know, and I've said all along that I thought, Corey, if you bumped him up to 290, put him on the ground, his hand on the ground, and let him become a Leonard Williams. If he has that attitude of a Leonard Williams, he'd be a first-round draft choice. I think right now he's like Drake Jackson last year, playing half, 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 half of his ability. As far as wondering if he should crash or, or, or cover or whatever, he's looking around trying to make a play rather than just disrupting things by his speed and quickness. But that's just my opinion. But uh, uh, I just think. Uh, that, uh, did I answer his question? I think so. Yeah, I think we're. <laughs> Damn, sometimes I get roll along and I say time out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, he just wants to know about the issues on the the middle of the the line, and you know, I I like we've seen more Thule outside because they've had more depth inside. Um, and uh, yeah, but I agree with you, Nick Figueroa, two sacks. I think it was a couple of plays where Ward was getting pressured and guys couldn't bring him down. I think. There was a, a Corey Foreman one. That might have been a run, though, where he couldn't make the tackle and Washington State gets the first down. But when Figueroa was in there, he seemed to get him down. When Figueroa got his hands on him, it wasn't getting away. So I give him props for uh, the way he was handling things back there. I agree with you. Corey, to me, just doesn't seem physical enough or strong enough. He needs to get in the weight room, or maybe they don't want him to be stronger or bigger. But he's starting to look like Gentry almost. They almost built the same, and he's playing inside like that. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Yeah. We had uh, our buddy Dan, class of 1962, right in. He says, Coach McKay proved in 1972 that speed on defense was key. Coach Carroll made Matt Grudegood into a linebacker to get more speed. I've been impressed with the progress of Coach Riley's defense and the way that they are swarming the ball. However, other than Eric Gentry, they seem woefully deficient at sideline to sideline linebacking. Linebacking. Is a recruiting need, but what can we can they do with the current personnel to help the linebacking fight on a win? Dan, class of sixty-two. Well, let me ask you, uh, number what's what's Beavers' number? Fifteen. Yeah, I'll tell you, he swarms pretty good, buddy. He'll hit you, and uh, I think he's somebody that could play a little bit more on as far as on the defensive side. I'm not; he's not big enough for a linebacker, but he's a mad type of guy. And uh, maybe you could make him like a Matt type of player. Uh, I just don't think maybe the linebackers run that well. 
and uh, I think they're they're playing hard now. I don't want to I don't want to take any credit away for the way they play. They play up to their ability. They play hard, and they try to make plays. Okay, but in some situations they're a little bit limited in certain areas. Now Gentry's a great runner, but he needs to be a little bit more physical. He's a great player. He's made great plays the entire year. Lee. A little bit more of a plugger type of guy can plug in there, but if they isolate him on a back or receiver or something, he's a little bit slow. So, you know, there's things that they have the pluses and the minuses. It's hard to find Junior Seau. It's hard to find a guy that could do both, an Anderson like it out. It's really hard. So during they gotta give you gotta give them time to find those type of players. And right now, they haven't had that on the roster. But down the road, they're going to have to recruit and develop players to be that. So you got to give them time. But I think the kids, I'm going to say this, on the defensive side of the football, they play hard every down, or they're not playing because that's what his philosophy is. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more, Coach, and then we will uh, let you go. We have Bill in Las Vegas. He says, what's your opinion of the towel squad of grad assistants or consultants on the sideline? Uh, I can't help but liken them to the UCLA assistant of some years ago. Uh, it's not a good look in my mind, and I can't help but think they should be on the sidelines if they don't have something better to do. Bill and Las Vegas. Yeah, they're kind of like a hype squad. I think there's like assistant strength coaches and and at one point, I tweeted out, Coach, that it looked like the Washington State sideline was mocking USC. I think it was in the third quarter or second quarter when Washington State like was about to take the lead, and you know they got some stops, and they were kind of um, there were some people on the Washington State sideline like waving towels, kind of like a mocking fashion, at least from where I was seeing from up there. And it was sort of like a battle back and forth um, on the towel waving stuff. But what are, what are your thoughts on on that? Well, my honest opinion is I think it's Pop Warner, okay? Uh, I don't think you need to do that. You see a lot of enthusiasm with coaches running up and down and strength coaches running up and down the sideline, almost running on the field. And to get in the way, personally, I think if your players don't have the enthusiasm, get fired up, you don't have to wail, you know, do a towel. Now, I don't know if you did that at Oklahoma or whatever. And then you've got the reserves or players that aren't playing waving towels, standing in a group, jumping up and down. I mean, please. You know, if you need a cheerleader squad, go down a few yards and take a look at the USC cheerleaders, okay? I, I don't think you need that. I'd rather have my players' head be in the game, know what play's being called, uh, get by their position coaches, get to what they're supposed to do, rather than be cheerleaders. Now, this is my opinion. And, of course, on the sideline, I think there's way too many players. I mean, poor Lincoln Riley can't even work the game. He says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, to try to walk up and down the sideline to, to call a timeout or get down to talk to a coach or a player. I mean, I don't even know who all these people are. And, uh, yes, I agree 100%. I think those people that aren't involved in the game whatsoever should not be on the sideline. Be up in the stands where you can see the game. And I don't think you need towel waivers running up and down the sideline or some guys running right next to the back down the sideline waving his towel. Please, I think that's great energy. I think it's great enthusiasm. But it's phony, okay? We don't need that. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan either, to be honest. But uh, it's one of those things that just – it you know it seems really like kind of aggressive, um, just the way they're like if you know it's like you're 
It's like you're getting into the play, like you're getting involved in the play somehow. Um, and there was a sideline warning. I don't know exactly what it was for, but I think it was the people cheering, um, the, the, the towel people stuff. So I haven't seen a lot of support for that, like on Twitter and stuff, coach, and on our message boards over at uscfootball.com. But personally, not a huge fan. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. One last one. Kevin, no longer in South Orange County. Now, he sent us a um, a video, which this is a podcast. We can't really look at the videos. But he was saying, I hope you guys are doing well. Been a while since I wrote to you all. But this is a snippet from an NFL Live clip that made me think about Coach Lincoln Riley and trend setting for the USC offense. He said, if you watch a clip, which we can't do because it's a podcast, but they talk about the growing trend in the NFL of getting the quarterback back under center. He says, I love it though. It's rare. It's still better than Graham Harrell saying there's no way uh, to go under center for snaps. It would be awesome. Um, You know, talking to the coach about if he wants me to talk to coach Riley, see if he's studying the NFL trend. And if, he sees it as an option going forward for all the reasons that the guys lay out in the show. Given how successful they are at running the ball and how much of an offensive trendsetter Riley is, it would be such an awesome throwback wrinkle for college football. Love to hear Coach Hyde's, Coach Hyde's thoughts too. Kevin no longer in South OC. Yeah, there was a third in inches that USC tried to run like an end around with uh, Jordan Addison and just got blown up. That was one. It, and the band actually played fight on because they thought they got the first down. The referees then decided it wasn't a first. They moved the chains and they said move them back. And it wasn't a first down. And then they don't end up getting the third in inches. And we've seen USC go under center at least a couple of times this year. Um, they didn't in that say, that case and got a little cute and it cost them. I agree with you 100%. Uh, you do need to get under center. You do need to have some direct power type of plays or quick handoff type of plays or quarterback sneak type of plays. They got under center and ran that little uh, reverse thing, which uh, I talked about earlier that I think I talked about earlier where it takes too long. You're running laterally down and they're penetrating on the goal line and actually you lost yards. And then they got under center again and they got a 12-man penalty. So somebody didn't come off the field. So they basically went under center and lost five yards. So uh, or maybe it was 10 yards. I can't remember. So they abandoned that, and, uh, they, you know, if you do that, you have to practice that. You have to make it part of your game, and the kids have got to know it's part of your game, and you just can't have a quarterback sneak off of it. you got to be able to have a little play action where you hit the tight ends and and then do the different things or sprint to the right or sprint to the left and throw outs and do different com- type of combinations to have a little package, a little goal line package. When you get in that on the five-yard line and it's first down, they don't really know what you're going to do on the five-yard line. So you go into center a little bit and you'll be able to run forward. You're quicker. you get a better goal line look as far as for the running backs. And that's when you use that. You just don't use it once in a while to run the same player try to get cute. Yeah. No, I'd like to see it more. And uh, I hate, you know, especially in the inches to go, like you can get Caleb Williams right in there and sneak it, or he can hand it off to die. Um, it dies. I think dies perfect on third and one, fourth and one situation. So they tried that Addison one and that really, that was a, that was a bad look. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up coach. Um, yeah. Big one this weekend. You already mentioned Utah. I think it's going to be a different matchup. Uh, more physical team, team that can run the ball. USC's kind of struggled with that sometimes. But, man, there's uh, this defense has played 
people kind of complain a lot about a lot, but you know, you look at the numbers they're giving up. There's not that much. So I think they're going to need another performance like that. They're going to need to play better on offense. Uh, the passing game is going to have to be better. Uh, but I'm a little more confident now going into this Utah game than I was before and probably less confident in the uh, plan UCLA and the Rose Bowl down the road, but that's a ways away. USC 6-0, and bowl eligible. Um, yeah, and a big matchup this weekend with uh, with the Utes, who will be trying to recover uh, playing in Salt Lake City after getting uh, beat by the Bruins. Well, this is a game that uh, they've been looking at and we've been looking, looking at and talking about. It's the first big hurdle. Not that we didn't think the other games were big hurdles, but this is a huge hurdle in uh, taking on the Pac-12 champion in their home field. And uh, you're going to have to stop them before they get started. And they got an outstanding quarterback in rising. He's a game player. He can run. He throws well on the run. But everything comes off the play-action pass in most situations. So you got to stop them before they get started. And it's going to be crazy up there as far as with the crowd and the altitude and the whole package. So it's going to be a great game to watch and uh, see what happens. But defense is going to be key in this game because you've got to stop them to take them out of having time of possession. And also you can't let them, uh, you know, control the game and make the game their type of game where you all of a sudden become a team that's trying to catch up all the time rather than play your game. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. We're looking forward to getting your thoughts again after the Utah game. Um, Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Brian, thank you very much. And for all of you out there, thank you for listening. And as I said, when we opened this uh, podcast, that it's just our opinion. You have your opinion. And it's great to be able to talk football. It is. Always great talking football with you, Coach. Thanks uh, to you. Thanks to everyone out there listening in the Peristyle Podcast land. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Enjoying USC's halfway through the season already. Where did it go? Halfway through the season, undefeated, 6-0, and bowl eligible, significantly better than last year so. Enjoy it all. Yes, there's nothing's perfect. Not everything's great, but there's some a lot of great stuff and a lot better than what we've seen for many years. But for the coach, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed this show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.